Okay, in today's timeout, we have the legendary Miloslav Mechir from Slovakia. It's a dream come true for me. I mean, I've been trying to track him for so many days now. Thanks to my good friend, Provas Mondal, a very famous table tennis coach from Sweden. Finally, I get to see the magician, the super cat, the sweet bachelor. <laughs> The 1988 Olympic champion. Can you believe it? We have Miloslav Mechir today. <laughs> Unbelievable. Thanks, Miloslav, for joining our show. It is an absolute pleasure to host you in our timeout. Hello, everyone. And this part of the world in India, I mean, in the 80s, I can bet my bottom dollar, everybody was your fan. And yeah, I've only been once. <laughs> I've been once in India for a Davis Cup only. Actually, I flew through India a couple of times through Mumbai on the plane, but uh, we spent quite a nice week in Calcutta with the Davis Cup with uh, Ramesh Krishnan and Vijay Armitrash and Anand and a couple other guys. I mean, it's still a dream come true for me. For I mean, I have followed you all through the 80s and you have been one of my favorite players. And uh, that key Biscayne meeting Langley in three sets. Or four sets. I don't still remember that. Uh, I think three sets. Three sets. It was best of five, but it was uh, straight sets. I think straight sets. And uh, but it was the only one. Uh, only once I beat him. Then six times he beat me. <laughs> I'll ask you a lot of questions about Lendl too. A little later in the show, the 1988 Olympics in the final, you beat Tim Mayot in four sets. And that famous match in the semi-finals against Stefan Edberg. And again, the sweet basher was at work that day. Please run us through the semi-finals and finals for us. Well, uh, the semi-finals, uh, we played maybe third match that year with Stefan. And he beat me twice in the five sets, uh, once in semi-final Wimbledon the same year. And then uh, actually earlier before that, he beat me in Sweden in Davis Cup deciding tie, tie and I had the back problem a little bit I remember but I was fighting like hell and I lost 7-5 uh, in the fifth set so um, we played many times before with Stefan so we knew each other very well uh, in the earlier days I beat him a couple times also at Wimbledon a couple years earlier so I quite uh, believed myself that I could win and I had a lot of to revenge uh, from the f previous matches. So it was a big, uh, big fight from the beginning. Uh, he was leading two sets to one, I remember. And we were fighting for each point. A uh, couple close calls. Sometimes I got lucky. And um, as I said, a sports, uh, sports match, uh, you have to stay there and, and be focused till the end of the match. And... Uh, Finally, in the fifth set, I realized I started to be a little bit ahead. I started to have a better control of the match and um, I managed to, to finish it then in the fifth five. But it was, uh, it was the toughest match of, of all, probably, in the Olympics. It is still so vivid in our heads and uh, we still remember that match. And that's also the year Ben Johnson's thing happened and 1988 is so famous. And Olympics started gaining momentum with regards to tennis also. And I think Steffi Graf also won the 1988 Olympics. Yeah, she did. It was an unbelievable year. What fascinated all of us in the 1980s was 
Czechoslovakia, small country in Europe, produced Ivan Gandhi, Miloslav Michir, Helena Sukova, Martina Navratilova. What was happening there? What is the secret there? Well, it's difficult to say if you knew what to do, you do it another time, you, you do it again. But uh, I think it was a circumstances and, uh, and uh, it was big tradition for sport and uh, a lot of motivation for the players to get out of the country, to represent the country, to make some, uh, I, I would say, to see around the world with the sport, with the tennis, because uh, in the, those days it was quite difficult. But we had quite a good system uh, that uh, we had plenty tournaments uh, and uh, plenty uh, guys to, to compete with back home. And uh, good concurrence, I would say. The top guys who survived, who won the championship, they were pretty tough already. To They, they were able to compete with the international players. So. Uh, I played quite a lot, I remember. I know Lendo was a hell of a fighter and a hard worker. So he did everything uh, he could. And um, there never is only one thing. You need to do many, many simple things yeah. to achieve it. And what was the system like? Uh, did you all train together a lot? Did all of you all train together? Like uh, Lendl, you, Helena Sukova, Martina, uh, I never practiced with Lendl. I was uh, four years younger, but when uh, I started to come out of the juniors, he was already a, a world star. He was uh, already top three, I think, or maybe even top uh, number one in the world. So I watched his matches on TV as a junior, and uh, and I watched him on the international Championship of Czechoslovakia once when I was younger alive, which uh, helped me a lot also. It gave me a lot of motivation. But uh, there were so many players, even though they maybe didn't manage it, uh, didn't make it to, to the top. But uh, a lot of good players, as you said before, uh, a lot of guys to learn with and a tough uh, Tough opponents always in uh, junior categories. Uh, in uh, in my in my uh, hometown, when I played, I played with uh, older guys a little bit because I was the youngest okay. in the club. So this was a little bit the advantage in the beginning, and I was losing in the beginning, uh, and I want to be equal with them. I want to be better than them. So so it uh, helped me a lot to to learn how to fight the top guys, the, the, the older guys and tougher guys. And then um, we had so many national and in, international tournaments back in Czechoslovakia for uh, pupils uh, from the basic school, from the for the junior categories. So we had to uh, run through numbers of tournaments through, or through all the year. And um, when I was 16, they invited me to the National Training Center in Bratislava, uh, which I came when I was 16. And uh, we had like five very good uh, juniors. One of them was Marian Baida, you probably heard of him. Yeah, he beat uh, Boris Becker a couple of times. He got top uh, 30. And now he's coaching Novak Djokovic. So uh, he was the guy I... Uh, 
was made with him. Uh, we shared the room during the gymnasium days. Okay. So because we both came from other city and uh, we shared the room for four years uh, during the secondary school. So we practiced together and two other guys, they were uh, holding quite a good, uh, I would say, um, written with us till they came to the, to, to the international tournaments. They, they lose a little bit uh, the rhythm with us. And, and uh, one of them got to top 100 was, was uh, Branislav Stankovic. He's one of the tournament uh, organizers and directors this year in Slovakia, tor international tournaments. But uh, he didn't make it uh, higher than that. So uh, he, he was not as known. So he was also uh, one of our uh, classmates in the school, in, in, the, in the class. So, so really, we, we had tough concurrence. Some other guys that didn't make it uh, all the way up. But uh, we played many, many tough matches together and a lot of hard practices also. So this was uh, really, really help in the beginning. And uh, this probably is uh, also the key because uh, I couldn't play so much in, in my hometown. Uh, we didn't have the indoor courts and the winter was quite hard, cold. So we played more basketball indoor, indoors in the winter. So since I was 16, I was able to play twice a day, practice twice a day maybe sometimes three times. And uh, from my whole time, I uh, always was trying to be on the court. And I brought it back to Bratislava after the official practice. We still went on with Marian and uh, other guys and played matches just for fun. So we spent maybe five hours in the afternoon on the court most of the week. So in the morning practice and then in the afternoon, five, six hours. So it, it paid off later on. Just a lot of miles, a lot of hard work. And you guys had that uh, system where you could compete a lot. And also there were a lot of Swedish players during that time. And uh, I'm going to ask you about a few players during your era. Like what sort of fitness training they were all doing? And uh, what type of... You were so quick on court. You were called the big cat. And you used to cover court like as if, I mean, you know, Jeff, you'll be near the net, you were there for Wally, you'll be there for the backhand. You were all over the court. How was well, that? A lot of things, a lot of things thing I learned during the career, but I think the, my motion was pretty natural and probably came from the, all other sports I did uh, when I was young. Yeah. I played the basketball, I was uh, swimming a little bit in the first, second, third class in the school. And then I did uh, athletics, athletics in uh, school for, I was representing the, our school in the local uh, region uh, uh, competitions. It was like uh, throwing uh, distance uh, with the cricket ball. Then it was uh, running 50, 60 meters sprint. Yeah. Then uh, one, one kilometer uh, long run and, uh, and uh, high jump high jump in the winter or long jump in the summer okay. and uh, then uh, they wanted me to play basketball i played for the school also a little bit for the class and they were preparing the basketball practice camp and a new they opening new class 
but I didn't go there already. I played quite a lot of tennis and uh, I decided that would be too much. And uh, I stayed in my school where I joined the mathematic class. So, so uh, I was picked up uh, for that as well. I liked it. And the moment probably came that I uh, couldn't sit back home much uh, with the books. I was always running on the street with the friends, uh, playing football, uh, any sports, uh, even the hockey, skating a little bit and, and uh, playing the hockey ball with, uh, with the stick on the, on the street so, and the tennis ball. Did you do any weight training during your time? Not that much, not that much. We did it when I came to sports center. We did it a little bit in the winter, but it was uh, nothing compared to what I see these days. Okay. But I spent more time, much more time uh, playing other sports uh, outside. I did skis, also skiing on the snow, but not much, not much, uh, but for fun. So I, I tried anything that was possible. And uh, as I said, I couldn't be sitting I, I had to be I have to be running and uh, following the ball somewhere so the movement came from also that I played a lot of tennis uh, many hours and we mainly play games so the movement is not only that you are fast but it's also as as much as you can read the game and it, as you can read the opponent if you start to uh, react uh, quick enough or faster than the other guys, you can be at the point uh, quicker with, with less movement. So, so, I mean, so probably that's why. What did Lendl do? John McEnroe from United States, then you had Bob Becker, and then you had the whole Swedish army. What type of fitness training they all did? Did they do weight training or did they have any specialized training? I didn't know. I didn't concentrate what exactly they were doing. I know Lendl was uh, doing everything planned and uh, it was not my way really. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know, I, I haven't seen inside what they did. It's probably less known as, as these days that everybody puts it on the Instagram or, or Facebook, what they do, what activities. And uh, they see uh, the, the crew, the players traveling with these days, and they see them working in the gyms and stuff. But uh, for me, the gym was more like a warm-up, <laughs> I would say. And uh, did some running, did some testing uh, with, with, uh, with uh, our coach. We had... Uh, we had the physio preparation once, twice a week with the uh, old club. We had the club coach uh, who took us in the mountains. We were running in between the trees, uphill, downhill, whatever. And uh, doing some uh, medicine ball with the weights and uh, with real weights, not that much. We, it was more like a fun, more like a game. And most of the time we finished uh, the practice, the physical practice that the whole team got together. We put the goals uh, on the field and we played football afterwards. <laughs> there was a time in the US Open, I think, uh, there were four people from Czechoslovakia in the finals. You played Lenin in the final, Martina played Helena Sukova in the finals. I think, what was the year? It Was it 1986? 
It was 1996, yes. I lost to Lendo then in the finals. I remember Helena, he used to be my mix partner in a junior days. Okay. And then we played Hopman Cup together with Helena. And you all won the Hopman Cup too? Yeah, Helena won it. I was just the hanger to, to, to win the mix with her, okay. to decide. <laughs> well, we got... Uh, it was not that many teams, it was eight teams and um, in the finals we, had, we, we got lucky, uh, Pat Cash got sick, so Helena won the match and uh, it was over because Cash couldn't play singles and uh, even the mixed doubles was just an exhibition afterwards. So that's why I say Helena won it. He won all, all she won all her single matches, so it was easy then. You were the last uh, wooden racket exponent. I mean, you played with wooden racket and the artistry which you exhibited was breathtaking. I mean, it's still etched in our heads. I mean, there are so many players who come after that, but there are a few players like you, then before you probably John McEnroe was also an art, another artist. These artists always, I mean, they are, I want to say, they're ahead of their times. They know their angles, the touch and so many things. I mean, how different is it now? I mean, I'm sure you're coaching and you're starting to play with graphite racket now. How different is it now? Well, uh, if, if I concentrate a little bit on the racket, uh, I started with the wood. It was very heavy for me when I was young. <laughs> and um, I never had short rackets. Maybe in the beginning I had the, the small paddle, wooden paddle with the, that I play against the ball. But I don't remember that very well. My father was a tennis player. Uh, player, he played for the uh, city club and my brother was older, so I hang on the courts a little bit with them. And then I realized when I was uh, going to the basic school as uh, six years old, I already brought uh, the friend from the class to, to the tennis court, so I have somebody in my category also. But I already could uh, count and play the matches when I was six. And he was uh, f fallen behind quite a lot. He couldn't keep uh, in, in touch with me. And then, um, uh, since then, I always had the feeling of the boot. And uh, during my career, I remember I played with a small head. The first was uh, some artist racket uh, from Slova uh, made of Czechoslovakia. Then I started with the Max Play download, then uh, Slazinger boot. The challenger, and then uh, I received uh, received uh, from on the center sports center the Donne racket that was the same racket as Borg played, and he was the star, the Wimbledon champion, multiple champion Wimbledon that those days. So it was uh, kind of idle for me, and uh, I got so happy to play the same racket as he had, and I uh, really liked that racket. It was uh, really it suited me very well. And my results improved a lot. In the 16, when I was 16, I jumped quite a, quite a higher level a little bit. I won the national championship uh, in Czechoslovakia under 18 then. And then also the two weeks later, under 23. Okay. Or it was under 21, the seniors under 21. So it was big, big deal. And then I started to play First tournaments, international uh, junior tournaments. I went to to Orange Ball and the tour. Then I went to Australia to invite invitation tournaments. I did some results, but on grass, uh, it took me took me time. I couldn't really learn a lot. 
I had no experience. I could play on very fast courts because we used to play a little bit on wood, or the wooden floor on the parquet. And then the mid-size uh, average uh, speed courts, I had really problems. I preferred the clay and, uh, and the real fast. And uh, when I came to grass, I had problems. I, it took me a long, long time, but uh, I was lucky. I spent uh, five weeks, six weeks in the row, two, two years uh, one uh, with one year pause uh, in Australia. So I learned there. I felt I started to be comfortable even on grass after these two, two long uh, trips to Australia which I played the junior tournaments and then qualification for the seniors, for the challengers and for the Australian Open in Kuyong also. And um, then I started, uh, the, the, the Donay racket stopped making the wood racket. And all the companies usually started uh, to make only the graphite rackets and some metal rackets, some aluminium rackets. And uh, I have no choice. I tried the the one of those uh, fast rackets. First week, it felt like uh, I'm playing unbelievably well, very fast. And uh, I beat a guy that was uh, uh, pretty dangerous in, in Czechoslovakia, 6-1, 6-0. And I couldn't really believe, I didn't know what I was doing exactly, but I was winning very easy. And then the next week, it's starting to be worse. It's starting to get a little bit to normal. The third week, I really had started crises. I had crises. I couldn't really control the ball anymore. And the ball was flying all over the courts. I, I felt like I need a football field to, to, to play with the racket. And uh, the fourth week, I went to the international tournaments and uh, the, the Galea Cup, the junior team competition. And I really was out of confidence. I won few matches but only with the fighting I had to hit the ball in the middle of the court and run like a hell and uh, playing uh, no not not one uh, risky ball so I was uh, really not uh, feeling well with the rackets so I went to the professional tournament I lost to the uh, guy that uh, played serve volley and, and attacking the net very often on clay and I decided, what, how this is possible? I couldn't pass. And the passing shot was one of my favorite shots. I said, this is uh, really no, no good for you. you losing the control of the game, of the, of the play. And I borrowed the racket from Thomas Smith. He was my doubles partner. And it was the snower that I used to play afterwards. And then I finished my career with. And I went to another match, the next tournament, and I remember I lost 7-5 in the third set to Sandy Meyer, who was uh, one of the top guys those days. And finally I felt this is a game I can play. This, I even I lost with uh, maybe two days of practice with a completely uh, different racket, uh, completely new racket. I said, finally I got the feeling what I am doing so I asked the company, they gave me some rackets, they didn't know me well. I was maybe top uh, 100, but, but quite uh, behind still. Maybe I was 19 or 20 years old those days. 19, probably 19. 
So they sent me four rackets. I had those four rackets for four years and I got into the top 10 with them. And then when I got to top 10, they finally gave me contract because uh, in those four years, I already uh, had only two good ones. The two, the other two were broken. One, I dived for a volley and I landed on the ground with the touching the racket. I, I broke it. So I used the racket only for practice. And uh, another one, Serving, uh, I had wet, uh, wet uh, wrist, wet, wet uh, hand, and uh, I dropped the racket, and it broke also. It it had a crack, but it still could play. But so maybe for one year I was practicing with the broken rackets, and I saved those two good ones for the matches. So uh, from that moment, whenever I touched the the graphic the fast racket, I always felt like I have no control what I'm doing and. And I feel like the the wood was for me, <laughs> and I knew what I'm what was what I was doing. The ball was flying fast enough. I had good control, which is what is the most important thing for me. Without confidence, without controlling where you're placing the ball, it was impossible for me to play. Wow, even you. now, even now, when I go to play with the juniors, when I want to give them some advice, I can hit with the graphite racket. But I have pleasure to hit with the wood racket. So that's the difference. You still have your wooden rackets? I still have the same old wooden rackets. But any wooden racket I touch, it's much closer to me, even the small head, than the new graphite rackets. Wow. <laughs> I played all career, so the, the body is used to it. Last two questions, below. 1988, I mean, your counterpart, Steffi Graf, I mean, she's been the dazzling queen of women's tennis. A few words about her. Well, we didn't meet many on many tournaments, on many occasions with the girls because they had a different tour. Uh, I practiced with her. I hit with her a few balls uh, on the grass. And um, it was quite, quite a good experience for me. She didn't seem to be, but the balls uh, she hit were pretty dangerous. and and very uncomfortable to play against. It took me a while till I adjusted, but we were just warming up for the for play, for the match, just regular practice. Uh, in Wimbledon, we had sometimes half court only, so I, I was happy I, uh, we could hit together. But I think she was very tough mentally. She, uh, she could hit uh, very good forehand. I know she could even play well doubles. And... Um, I think the results that they 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 tell everything for her. Very hardworking. Uh, I don't know about her practicing much. I she she was uh, fighting well during practice. She she was really giving uh, full speed, full gas. That <laughs> <laughs> she was good enough to be an Olympic athlete. So we just wanted to know what they did in Germany back then. Uh, well, as you remember, all the athletes, uh, the Olympics was very special for me. I can manage, I can tell. I came to the Olympics was dreams from my uh, young days because the Olympic was something else. And I came there, uh, I didn't feel like a tennis player. I felt like a sportsman. I, I felt like a part of it. And it was, uh, it really gave me a very good move, mood. And uh, it helped me with motion, with emotions and everything. And uh, I felt like I, could, I was in a trance a little bit, like I got even more energy than any other tournaments. And it was, it was uh, great to meet all the 
sportsmen to meet uh, guys from uh, Czechoslovakia, from other sports, uh, that I heard about them. I never saw them uh, participating. During Olympics, I had uh, some chance to visit because the village was uh, close to some sports. So I had a chance to visit some of them uh, uh, participating. Uh, and, and I saw the guys winning the medals with a number of other sportsmen, sportsmates from our team in the club, club room that we uh, were watching. And one of them was uh, my countryman uh, in uh, 50 kilometers walking. He just won the gold medal before the semifinals of, with Stefan Edberg. And then he came to the room and showed us the medal and so So it was like a dream for me all together. As I said, it uh, gave me so much emotion and helped me to concentrate on the game and uh, to put my best performance on the court. And uh, of, of course, as you mentioned, Ben Johnson and uh, Chris Lewis and, and uh, everybody was watching the sprint and then the uh, drugs affair that uh, they used took the medal out of him and uh, it was it was uh, fantastic it, it is we made the guys uh, the top guys top athletes top uh, basketball players in the uh, in the restaurant and uh, the rooms the, the meeting zone and stuff talking to many guys uh, about their sport and uh, i even tried the pro bike from our uh, bikers oh. and uh, it helped us uh, to to as I say, I, I didn't like to run, I didn't like to work hard. So after the match, I went on the bike with the friends uh, and we, we ran around the village a little bit on the bike. So it was funny. And then I played some tennis also with the, with the shooter, who was the classmate of my wife. Okay. And he, he won the, bronze, the, the silver medal. He was a world champion. And after shootout, uh, I don't know, he, he finished the second. So in the final, so it was it was great. The, the atmosphere and everything. The, the sportsmen, they were so uh, human. They were so friendly, and and um, it was fantastic. Last question: Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. I mean, twenty-two Grand Slams, twenty Grand Slams. Another guy is eighteen Grand Slams. I mean, this is unbelievable. And can you rate them? And who do you think is going to finish at the top? It's impossible to rank. I think each uh, each age, each each era uh, has uh, their own players. But it's it's huge. It's fantastic. It's it's in it's an art. I would say, if I went to a museum in Roland Garros and I have seen the the winners and I've seen my hero Borg, one, two, three, four, five break a uh, couple times. Meaning, it was like nothing compared to Nadal. He was there 12 times now, he, those days, 11 years. I mean, this is, this is impossible. This is uh, really something special. Uh, Federer as well. I think Federer was uh, the most complete player probably of all time. He had all the strokes, uh, except the double-handed backhand. <laughs> <laughs> but one-handed, uh, very strong enough. We played some uh, table tennis together when I was coaching Karol Kuchera in the players' lounge, and he was also uh, artistic with the table tennis racket. He could spin the ball very well, like had unbelievable control. 
And uh, I same I would say with with McEnroe and and other guys, they could play any sport. They, if you give them ball, they could do anything with the ball. So it's really it's really something special. And uh, you have to be born with it a little bit, and you have to work for it also. And you beat John McEnroe in the World Championship finals. Uh, by accident, <laughs> but I, I we played many times. He beat me a couple of times. I beat him a couple of times. We were quite good friends. Special on him was that he was kind of man of two faces. One day he was very friendly, another day it, it's like uh, he was afraid that you're gonna beat him. He doesn't didn't want to talk. But we had uh, some good times together, and he never liked to lose. That's for sure. He never liked to lose when he was losing. Actually, he was going out of the court a couple of times when we played and he went out of the court uh, in Dallas finals, as you mentioned, uh, the day, the match. And then he, the supervisor and tournament director tell him around uh, in the corridor already. I came back to the match and I lost the next set. So, <laughs> so he had uh, his own personal behavior. And uh, as I said, it was just because he never liked to lose. Novak Djokovic. Few words on him. Well, I think Novak is very friendly. I know him a little bit because Marianne is coaching him. We met a couple of times in person. I never was standing against him on the court. In, on the court. So the best way to to tell about the player for me is to meet him on the court and to see how he's uh, uh, working his shots, how he's working the tactic, and how dangerous his shots are. But I think. He also got all the strokes. He can cover the court very well. It's so difficult to to make a winner at him. And he, he, he reads the serve very well. He can return. Fantastic. He improved the serve a lot. He's very steady from the baseline. Uh, hard for him to make a mistake, I would say. And uh, I think the game these days is very fast, much faster. Less Less time to react. Much less time to do special tactic. So you have to be stronger and stronger, faster, quicker reaction and everything because of the ball. But I think the guys are growing in this uh, time, growing with these uh, conditions. I would say that maybe Labour, if he was growing in these days, he also would could be good because he was really special as well. So same with the with the older guys, same with Lendl, same with Connors and uh, McEnroe. They were tough. They didn't want to lose, and they wanted to go to compete anybody. So they were ready to compete. And uh, one thing is, you asking these guys. I I always remember Rafa Nadal practicing with us, playing the first Davis Cup on fast court, and he was very young, and he was still uh, known as a clay court champion, clay court specialist. And he is not that good at, on the fast court, so they didn't put him in the singles. But they were we were leading 2-0 after singles matches, and they put him in the doubles. First set, he was kind of uh, weakest guy on the court, disoriented a little bit. The second set, he was equal, and the third set, he was the best. I told the guys not to play at him anymore. Oh. So. I think these guys they are so adjustable. They can they can respond on the opponent's um, weapons. They can adjust so quick, so fast, improvise, no problem. 
So this is the, the, the biggest weapon for, for all of them, because they still come with something new, with something stronger, harder, quicker, and more concentrated and better placed and whatever. And they always try to find the, the weapon against it and always try to adjust the game and, and come with something new. This ability is what all of them have, I think, and this why they are so special. 80s, you had so many characters, but still it is the golden era of tennis. But right now, I think tennis has gone to another level with these three guys. And possibly you should add Andy Murray also for a few years there. They all took the game to another level. The levels at which they play, the physicality, the way they move on the court, the way they hit the ball, the, strike, the striking ability, both sides of the court. And uh, a normal journeyman's life now in a the tennis world is unbelievably hard and for you to scale up the ranking is it a lot lot more difficult than what it used to be in the 80s well of course it's difficult first of all uh, it's much more players the players are more equal to another so if you want to get to the top you need to pass uh, let's say four times more players when <laughs> when in my era and i got the first point i was ranked 700 something to i don't know thousand Okay. Now, if you get one point, you are almost 2,000 uh, then to 3,500 or something. And there, uh, to move in my days one place, you, you could beat, I don't know, two, three guys. And these days, you need to beat seven guys, which of them maybe one, two are the, guy, the types that you don't like to play against. So it's, it's harder and harder. And I think the, the gaps between players is smaller and smaller. So, so the game is faster, as I said. It's it's a less tactic uh, game. You have less tactic to uh, less time to react, and uh, you need to be really strong. If you if you see the top guys these days, they're very tall. They have huge serves. In in era maybe of labor, if somebody had served like that, I don't know if they could uh, manage to to return the serve. With the spin on the back end, with the passing shots from the back end side, I remember Nastas, uh, Ilya Nastas, when I played him first time, he was about to finish his career. Uh, he had the slice back end and uh, he could lob with the back end, but the slice was too slow to pass. <laughs> and uh, always when I had problem, I could come to the net to his back end and I was expecting all good lob, which was a slice lob, which was not really winner. You could smash if you were fast on the on the on the uh, legs, and the volley. You just uh, maybe make one tough volley, and you reach it because the slice cannot be so fast. Okay. And uh, then the next volley, you close it to the net, and if you're covering the net, the the lob, is no way to pass the second shot. And these days, I mean, you have less space, much less time to react. You, the guys are tall, they, they reach a lot, they, they can serve hard, they can swing, swing very hard with the new rackets. The ball flies faster. Maybe the rallies are shorter, so you, you see less uh, tactics playing the guys. But with the top guys, they still manage to make big rallies. As the last tournament I watched, uh, 25, 26 uh, shots in the one rally, no problem. So the top guys, they can hold the court, they can uh, cover the court, they can keep the ball in control, under the control for a couple of times. They don't open the game 
They don't open their, their side of the court so quickly. But if they help with the serve and they have open court for the next shot, that's easier. That's easier. I mean, with the wooden racket, with the heavy ball, now the balls are pressurized. Everything is a little bit different. Um, maybe they have now uh, faster game, but maybe we had uh, longer matches before. Not so much tie breaks. Most of the finals, best of five sets, all the big tournaments, uh, even uh, Davis Cup and stuff, all the five sets. And uh, Kibis came also from the first round, five sets we played. Then it was only semi-finals, finals, then finals. Now they cancel it. Um, I'm happy that uh, they left the five set matches for the Grand Slams. I think the tradition is that you show not only the the touch and skill, but you need to be as a sportsman ready to be there five sets because that's the real match. You need to work out the opponent to find his weaknesses, to find his good shots and to able to, to be able to react. And in five sets, you have a small time to, to be in trouble and you have enough time to recover from that. So, so it's, uh, for me, it's really true match. It's a true tradition. It's the best of five sets. Hello, sir. It was an absolute pleasure to host you today. I mean, it was like a sort of a flashback for us. You took us back to the 80s. I mean, so much of nuggets you gave us about tennis. It was a pleasure to host you. And uh, you owe me a table tennis match. We will meet sometime. <laughs> and playing a match. <laughs> I hate I hate table tennis a little bit. I I like to play with friends for friendship, but I never can achieve the control as I had uh, with the tennis racket. <laughs> that's the that's the why. Uh, then I get nervous because I'm making mistakes. I think I could I shouldn't make. Huh. And the problem with the spinning, uh, especially with the fast rackets. Uh, the ball is uh, is very hard for me to to control those spins because I was not using the wrist so much. I played more flat shots. Maybe I need to take uh, a, a slower rackets <laughs> for table tennis. No, but I I don't concentrate that much on ten table tennis. But looking forward to that. Such a pleasure. Thanks a ton. You're welcome. It's a special interview because uh, most of the guys, they asking all the same questions and this was really different and I'm glad. I like the Indian people. They think uh, about, about uh, all the way, uh, about uh, not only on the tennis, who won, but about everything. I saw the life on the streets in Calcutta. I saw the people and they seem to me very friendly and very peaceful. So, and very uh, smart thinking as well. So, thank you. All the best to you.